undivided attention, sit tall, okay, and on your bottom with your feet forward, okay, and be respectful. Okay, welcome. You're all every bit as handsome as your teacher said you were. I was uh, born into a, a devout Christian home. My parents believed in Christian schools. They first started me in Christian schools 55 years ago. That was back at a time when there were very few Christian schools in the country. Thank you. So I owe a great debt to Christian schools. And so do you, even though some of you don't quite know it yet. I'm going to be reading from the Bible in the book of Ecclesiastes, verses 1 through 7 of the last chapter. This is actually a very strange passage, but one that should get your attention, even and perhaps especially those of you in kindergarten through third grade. Raise your hands if you're in kindergarten through third grade. Put your hands down. This message is for you. And for the rest of you, incidentally. Listen to the word of God. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders cease because they are few and those that look out of the windows be darkened. And the door shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low and he shall rise up at the sound of the bird and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also when they shall be afraid of that which is high and fears shall be in the way and the almond tree shall flourish and the grasshopper shall be a burden and desire shall fail because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets, or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Now verses 13 and 14 at the end. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. The writer of this, Solomon, the third king of Israel, is making a long comparison here. You high school students might know it as an extended metaphor. He is comparing the aging process to the gradual collapse of a lovely house. 
Think in your mind right now of a big, beautiful new house with a new family, a young family that's moved in. And the house has been freshly painted and there's new furniture in the house and there's, house, and there's new appliances. And there are bicycles outside and children riding bicycles. And the mom is inside and she is cooking the best food and wonderful fresh bread and great pie and cake. Can't you smell it right now? And oh, what a beehive of activity and cars are always arriving and leaving and the dad comes home from work and everybody's excited. There's such great excitement and, and, and then 70 years later, you drive by the house and the paint is peeling and you see a lot of exposed wood. And the shingles of the roof are falling off. In fact, the roof might be caving in in a couple of places. And it looks so sad. That's the comparison that is being made here. This is what happens as we age. Here's what Solomon says. He says in verse 1, as you get older... The excitement of youth fades. Oh, how exciting it can be to be young. Now, I know you have hard times, great hard times about having to get up early in the morning to go to school, very, very hard times in your life. But actually, being young is pretty exciting. You have all this sort of energy. And you can go outside and run, and you can play, and you can go all sorts of places, and you never feel, you hope the day doesn't end because it's just such a fun time but as you get older, you won't feel that way. You'll feel, man, I can't wait till bedtime. I am so tired. And then he goes on in verse 2 to basically say the dark days pile on. Your best days are behind. Right now, for you, your best days are ahead. There are so many exciting things that are going to happen in your life. You don't even know it. Yes, some difficult things, but many of you trained in a Christian home, in a great Christian school, you're going to have wonderful, great, good, godly things that are going to be in your life. And it's going to be so exciting, but one day you'll get old and decrepit like me. And you'll say, you know what? My best days are behind me. And then it says in uh, verse 3 that the guards of the house shall tremble. (coughs) Uh, The keepers of the house, that actually is referring to your extremities. It means your hands start to shake. Some of you may actually have grandparents or great-grandparents, and you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever seen elderly people, and sometimes their hands start to shake? Not just those who have a specific disease, we know as tragically Parkinson's, but even those who don't have that disease, often their hands get feeble, and they shake. And then it says in the next part, 3b, The strong men bow. That means your backbone starts turning into like a bow. Have you ever seen elderly people and sometimes they start stooping like that? I'll never forget a time. I was driving, this was years ago, and I was at an intersection and there was a crosswalk, you know, where people can, cars stop at a light or a stop sign and people can walk by. And it was the saddest thing. Thank you so much, Chris. I forgot about that. Thank you, sir. One of the saddest things I saw an elderly, um, I believe it was a woman actually, and, and she walked across the street by herself and her back was completely bowed and she was walking like this. 
And I thought, why doesn't somebody help her? If I would have been there, I was in a car. I could, just couldn't get out and help her. I says, why doesn't somebody help her? It was the saddest thing. But this happens to many people as they get older. And then it says, last part of verse 3, the grinders cease. That metaphor is not hard to figure out. What are your grinders? Your teeth. You get older, your teeth start falling out, right? I was chewing something very soft, not hard. I think it was last week. And I noticed something hard in my mouth. And I looked and I pulled it out. And a part of my tooth had fallen off. You know why? Because I'm getting older. And as you get older, oftentimes your teeth fall out. Mm -hmm. And then it says in the last part of verse 3, those that look out of the windows be darkened. Uh, what looks out the windows? What are your windows? This is a metaphor, of course. What are your windows? Um, glass that you can see well, yes, but this is sort of comparing to the human body. Yes, sir. Yes, exactly. Give him an A. Extra credit. You know what happens as people get older? They have to wear these all the time. Now, there are a few of you here that have glasses. Nothing wrong with that. My sister started wearing glasses when she was, I think, three years old. But I see that most of you are not wearing glasses. I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to make a prediction because I'm so smart. Actually, not because I'm smart, because I just know. The older you get, you're going to need glasses. You know why? After a while, your eyes don't work right. That's what Solomon's talking about. And then he says the doors and the shut in the street, verse 4. That means your social life fades. In other words, man, when you're young, you want to get up in the morning and run outside. I want to go outside or I want to go somewhere. And, and when you get younger, older, you just say, man, I just need enough energy to get off the couch so I can walk to the bathroom. <laughs> You can't go anywhere. And then it says, the sound of grinding is low. That means your hearing starts to fade. My father, a very godly man, moved in with us recently, and his uh, hearing is getting bad. And I have to speak to him three or four times sometimes for him to hear. Your hearing gets very bad. And then it says, you rise up at the sound of the bird. In other words, you have insom insomnia. Very long word that basically means it's kind of hard to sleep. It's just hard to sleep sometimes. When you get older, you actually need less sleep. And sometimes you get up at 2 o'clock. Why can't I go back to sleep? Because you're getting older. And then it says the daughters of music are brought low. That means your singing talent fades. I love hearing elderly people sing, but you know what? Sometimes they don't sing too well. Their voice just kind of croaks and breaks when they get older. They mean well, but they don't quite sing as well as you did when you beautifully sang, holy, holy, holy. Then they're afraid of that which is high. That doesn't mean like fear of heights that some people have. That means they can't have any more high aspirations. That just means, you know, when you're young, you have goals. You get maybe 14, 15. Here's what I want to do in life. I want to go off to college. I want to get my degree. I want to get married. I want to make a lot of money. I want to go to church. I want to have a family or whatever. <laughs> and then you get 60, 70 years old and you think, man, my aspiration is to get, it, get through the day. Get up in the morning without falling and hurting my leg. <laughs> 
And then it says the almond tree will flourish. Some of you have seen almonds. Some people call them almonds. They're actually almonds. If you've seen them when they're in full bloom, do you know what color they're when they flower? White. And guess what happens when people get older? Not everybody, but most of them. What happens to their hair? It turns white. Gray or white. Gray looks sort of like white, like mine is right now. Yes. Listen carefully. Yes, and your hair falls off. That's certainly true. And then it says, the grasshopper drags along. That is, you're very slow. Some of you guys are so amazingly fast. I mean, you would just get up and zoom to the back, and it would, like, take me forever to get to the back, and you could get there so fast. But as you get older, you, you ever see your grandparents, how slow they walk? Well, that's not because they don't care. That's because they can't walk fast anymore. You see? And then it goes on to say in verse 6, and this is the saddest verse of all. It says that the silver cord is broken, the pitcher broken at the fountain, and the wheel broken at the cistern. That basically means that the internal organs start to fail. Your skull just slowly breaks. Your backbone, this cord cracks. And you go back to the dust. You die. Now, then the Spirit returns to the Lord, verse 7 says. Now, here's the good news I have for you. Are all you second graders listening? That's going to happen to you. And it's going to happen to me. And to me, long before it happens to you. But that day is coming. Isn't that pretty serious? That's why this was written. To get the attention of people your age. To get your attention to say, this is coming. You're not going to avoid this. Very grim. But Solomon isn't saying that so he could stop there and just get everybody sad. So you could go home and tell your parents, oh boy, the chapel speaker day was interesting, but boy, he was so sad. What a bummer. That's not why Solomon wrote this. He wrote this to teach a couple of things. And I'm going to mention them and then be done. First, enjoy youth while you can. Oh, chapter 11, verse 9, the first part says, Rejoice, O man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer in the days of your youth and walk in the ways of your heart. You know what God is saying? Nothing wrong with being young. Enjoy being young. How many of you like going outside and playing or maybe... Exactly. Isn't it great to be able to go out and it's just you're not tired and you get tired at the end of the day and you go on various trips and basically you're allowed to play within reason certain video games perhaps. And man, this is just kind of really fun. And do you know what God says? There's nothing, as long as you're not sinning, there's nothing wrong with that. But know this, that's going to stop one day. That's going to stop one day. You're going to get older. Most of you, God willing, will get married and have children like I have. And all my children now way up in their 30s, married. And you get old. And it's not going to be that way. So enjoy it while you have it because you're not always going to have it. That's the second thing. Youth is the optimal best time to serve God. Now, there's a great myth that a lot of Christian young people have. And it goes like this. 
Well, the Bible is basically for older people. It's for people like my teachers or people like my parents. And living for Jesus, it's, I guess that's okay. But it's not really important to me. And perhaps if you're a teenager here, I can't wait till I'm like 18 and I can leave. And then I can do what I really want to do because some of my friends get to do things that I can't do. And I want to do a bunch of other stuff that my parents won't let me do and my Trinity School won't let me do and my church won't let me do. I want to kind of hang out with people that don't, aren't good all the time. Maybe have the kinds of boyfriends and girlfriends they shouldn't have. Eat and drink things they shouldn't eat and drink. Watch things they shouldn't watch. But then, but then, when I get older, when I become really old, an old person, like when I'm 30. 30 is not old. That was my rhetorical point. Then when I get old, then I'll come back to the Lord. But don't bet on that. Children, young people, if you decide to turn your heart away from the Lord with the idea that one day I'll be able to come back to God, God never promised you that. I can't tell you the young people that I've known have been in Christian schools like this 40 years ago, 30 years ago. They heard the truth. They knew the truth. They decided to turn their hearts away from God, turn their back on what they learned in their home in their church, in their Christian school. And they thought, when I get older, I'll come back to the Lord. I'll come back to Jesus. I'll come back to the church. I'll come back to the truths that I learned in my Christian school. And they never did. And they never did. And their life is a wreck and a ruin. You high school students back there tracking with me? You tracking with me? There is no greater testimony of the faith than young people that are serving God. No greater testimony. I was thinking this morning, as we were singing, I love to go into, I've been in many, many, many churches in my life, was reared in churches. I've been in great cathedrals, very small churches. I've heard that great hymn, one of the great hymns of the faith, holy, holy, holy sung many times. And I've heard great choirs sing that hymn and how exciting it is to hear them. And yet, I will tell you something. There's nothing that inspires my heart more than hearing kindergartners through 10th graders sing holy, holy, holy. You know why? Because you're serving the Lord and singing at the most important time of your life. This time right now, between now and the next few decades, before you get older... That's the time you should be giving your heart to the Lord and serving him with great zeal and spending time on your face before God in prayer and reading the word of God. Each of you should read the word of God every day. One reason you're in a school like this, one reason is so you can learn to read. And you learn to read all sorts of things, but principally so that you can read the Word of God. Each of you should read the Word of God every day. And I don't mean just in school, although you should read it there. Read it. Read it. I would urge you to start reading the book of Proverbs. Can you remember that, the book of Proverbs? When I was very young, about your age, I was taught to read the proverb that corresponds to the day of the month. You know there are 31 Proverbs, and guess what? 
there are 31 days. Of course, some months have 30. Our month, February, has 28. But basically, 30, 31 days. Today is the 15th. So which proverb, if you're reading according to this plan, which proverb would you be reading today? 15. Proverbs 15. And then tomorrow, what would you read? 15. Good. Your teachers are teaching you to count. Brilliant. I would urge you to do that so that you can get wisdom. I would urge you not to leave the dregs. That is the last part of your life for God. Oh, don't do that. I do know of people that have been converted to Jesus Christ in their 70s and 80s. What a glorious thing it is. And yet they've spent their whole life away from God and they have just a little bit of life. It's almost like a big pie. I don't know about you. I like big, rich, sweet apple pie. I'm a diabetic, so I can't eat it, which makes me a little mad. But I like apple pie. Your life is like that apple pie that you can give to the Lord and devote to him. Don't save him just like the little teeny piece at the end. By giving that pie to the world and a life of sin and degradation and not serving him and say, oh, Lord, I've saved a little bit for you. How tragic that would be. Finally, I'll explain this phrase. God's preventive grace is greater than his recovering grace. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Most of you know, many of you at least, what the grace of God means. That's God's great gift to us. We usually think of God's grace in terms of salvation. We're saved by grace, through faith alone, by trusting in Jesus Christ. Not of our works, not of our righteousness, but we trust in him alone. He gives us the righteousness of his son, and we're gloriously saved, saved by grace. It's not something that salvation is not something we can merit. It's not something we can earn. It's a gift. That term grace basically means that. It just means gift. Salvation is a gift. And you know, when we see someone like the Apostle Paul in the Bible, who called himself the greatest of all sinners, persecuted Christians, hated Jesus Christ. He said he hated him before he was converted. And God gloriously one day grabbed him, basically threw him off a horse, appeared to him and saved him, and Paul continued to talk his whole life about the grace of God, how God had arrested him and saved him. Isn't that wonderful that God saves us when we're not deserving? That's a great display of God's grace. But you know, there's a greater display of God's grace. And that's in the life of Samuel in the Bible, who from a child, who from a little child followed the Lord. And from Timothy, maybe you know about Timothy in the New Testament. In fact, he had two letters written to him by Paul. Timothy, the Bible says he had a very godly mother and a very godly grandmother, like many of you do. And you know what they did? The Bible says from a child, he knew the scriptures which made him wise to salvation. Listen carefully. God's work of grace in saving people like Timothy and Samuel is even greater than his grace of those whom he saves who live a whole life of sin. Because God's grace is able to keep you from a life of sin. Because I was converted at a very young age, very young age, God has spared me so many hardships. 
I've never had to deal with temptations that other people have had to deal with. I think, not that I don't sin, we're all sinners, but the terrible temptations and sins that destroy and wreck lives, that redirect your whole life. I married a very godly woman at 19 years old. We have five children and four grandchildren. God has been gloriously good and has spared me from so many things. Why? Because he poured his grace out on me when I was three and four and five years old. Now, God has poured his grace out on you. I'm assuming that many, most of you are converted. You've trusted Christ. He's poured his grace out on you. Isn't that a remarkable thing? He's poured it out just like that. He just kind of poured out. Isn't that extraordinary that he's poured his grace out on you? You ought to thank God every day of your life for that good grace that he's poured out on you. One day, if you continue in this, you'll look back and thank God. And you'll write your teachers a note, perhaps send an email, if they even have email, many years from now. You'll send your dear administrator a message and say, I want to thank you for all the time. Didn't make much money. You worked hard. You got up every day. You taught us the word of God. You structured the school. Had to raise money. All the things you had to go through just so I could have a Christian education. And you will thank them for what they've done. As I do. As I send letters now to those that taught me 50 years ago. A final word. It's a warning. It would be the most terrible thing in the world if you had all this grace, God's good grace in His Son, poured out on you and you turned your heart away from God and walked away from all of that. It would be like a man coming with a great treasure of golden coins worth millions of dollars that you could use for good things, for your family and for other things, and set it at your feet and you said, I don't want that and walked away. You have something greater right now. You have God's grace and his gifts of a godly family, most of you, and a good church, I assume, and a strong Christian school. He's poured out his grace on you. Do not turn your back on his grace. That is almost unforgivable. And I will say the Bible offers the most terrible, terrifying warnings to those who turn their back on his grace. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for this school where your word is exalted, where your truth and all areas of life and thought is held up, where godly music is sung and performed, where teachers sacrifice themselves, where the gospel is upheld. Lord, we can't thank you enough. I pray, Lord, in faith that every single student here his or her heart is given to you that every single one grows up to be a great zealot for the faith and warrior for you. I'm trusting that many, many years from now, many years, I hear from some of these young people that they're continuing on in the faith and in their grace, in your grace. I pray it, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, Savior, Lord, and King. Amen.